Should we trust man's wisdom or God's wisdom? Next on Polygamy, what love is this? Jesus, who is the Savior, taught that a good root produces good fruit. So accordingly, we check out and reveal the foundation of Mormonism to the greatest and deepest level that we can. We're always digging up something that's shocking. The LDS Church, of course, has covered up the root, and covering it doesn't change what it is or how it was started or their original doctrines and beliefs. So in our ongoing work to reveal the root of Mormonism, specifically Mormon polygamy, we are focusing on Orson Pratt. Last time we ended with a quote by Pratt explaining that all the millions of heavens in the universe, according to Mormon beliefs, were all once fallen worlds that were redeemed into terrestrial heavens. We challenged our viewers to find biblical backup for that belief. Now, one contradiction about that idea is that the word terrestrial means of the earth. So how can it be heaven if it's of the earth? Mormonism was always taught that there was a pre-existence where mother and father in heaven through sexual activity produced billions of spirit babies who were later born as humans on this planet and that this cycle has continued forever and ever in the past and will continue forever in the future. But just because someone believes something or a religion teaches it, it doesn't make it true. Jesus Christ is the truth. And the Bible is the recorded word of God. And Jesus knows past, present, and future. And he knows the future perfectly. And the Bible teaches that only Jesus pre-existed. We did not. We quote. Yeah, this was fascinating to me when I first heard it. Uh, because I'd never even thought of this concept. But from 1 Corinthians 15, 46 through 47. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So, Jesus came down from heaven. We didn't. He was created of Adam, of the earth, from the earth. The first man was Adam, and he was made of the earth. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 2. And Adam represents all of the people who are born, all the earthly people, all the human race. The second man, which it refers to, is Jesus Christ. He represents all people who listen to God and obey him. Adam listened to and fell into temptation. Jesus was tempted, but he rejected the temptation. Adam and all humans are of the earth, and only Jesus came down from heaven. So Orson Pratt and the rest are teaching pre-existence, which is against God's word and should therefore be rejected and ignored. Now, Orson Pratt was probably one of the world's greatest proponents of polygamy. Today's polygamy groups continue to hang on to and to repeat uh, Orson Pratt's polygamy rhetoric. You know, when I really? talk to people in polygamy group, they'll often quote something he's written in From this Orson book Pratt. as a reason why God has yeah. okayed polygamy. Well, and we were talking yes, the uh, last week uh, about him being an apostle, presumably an apostle of Jesus yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. So you'd expect a, he speaks with authority. He he has he just, official, yeah he, yeah. he got the letter from the church that he right. was in <laughs> official. official capacity there. Yeah. 
So Orson Pratt, like we say, was the largest proponent of polygamy, and 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 the today's polygamy groups listen to him, they quote him, and and all of his nonsense. <laughs> now we want to present to our viewers some of Orson Pratt's great claims about polygamy. Uh, he dwells heavily on the idea that because righteous men of the Bible were polygamous and God blessed and did not reprove them, that polygamy must be a divine origin and okay with God. We hear that yeah, all the time. time. Pratt, of course, begins on the wrong premise. That's the wrong premise to begin with. He starts out that polygamy is good rather than at the true beginning that it is God who is good. Jesus said that God blesses the righteous and the unrighteous. So just because a person has a prosperous life does not mean that everything he does is pleasing to God. It is God who is good. We are the undeserving who are blessed by him every day. Next, we want to quote one of Pratt's observations. The wicked will no doubt open their mouths and cry polygamy, polygamy, with a view to frustrate the fulfillment of the prophecies. But they will find before they get through that they are fighting against God and against his purposes and against his divine institutions and against the fulfillment of the prophets. They will soon find that iniquity will stop her mouth and that the Lord is indeed in the midst of his people and that he will rebuke strong nations afar off and send forth his laws from Zion to govern all people. Then shall they know that when the Lord gives a man families like a flock, he intends it as a blessing and not as a curse. For lo, children are an, are an heritage of the Lord, and happy are they who through the everlasting covenant of marriage obtain this great reward. Now notice all of this is, and he ends with, the covenant of marriage, which of course right. is polygamy. Yeah. Now, he quotes from Psalms in this, uh, that children are a heritage from the Lord, which is true. But he's taken the statement out of context and then used it to undergird a bad doctrine. In the beginning, which is the best place to begin, God gave Adam and Eve into a monogamous marriage and affirmed that two of them would become one. Jesus Christ, the Savior, who knows what it takes to be saved, affirmed that God's intention at the beginning was that the two would become one. Now, to have families like a flock, which he said, <laughs> yeah. may have been Pratt's desire through polygamy, but never did God ever command or ordain polygamy as a means to increase the human race or raise up righteous children. Never. At the beginning with just Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark, yeah. he never brought polygamy into the equation. Pratt quotes uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30 as a, another example of having many wives. We'll quote the verses from the Gospel of Mark, and then we're going to quote what Pratt said so you can see how he tweaked the words <laughs> of Jesus. From Mark chapter 10, verses 29 and 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Now notice in this, these verses here that everything is in the plural except wife. Notice that. Oh, that's, yeah, I didn't catch that either. And then, and then he says, and you will receive a hundredfold more, and he doesn't include wife in that's there. Right. He doesn't say wives. 
Notice that. It's very important to notice the context when we study a passage. Now let's read what Pratt said about this scripture. Now from page 61. To receive now in this time an hundredfold of houses and lands, an hundredfold of wives, and hundredfold of children, no etc., is certainly a great temporal reward. A man that leaves one wife for the gospel's sake receives a hundred wives in return for his sacrifice. A man that leaves three or four children for the kingdom of God's sake receives three or four hundred children as a reward now in this time. But how does he get his hundreds, fathers and mothers? These would naturally come along as he obtained his hundredfold of <laughs> wives. For the parents of each of the hundred wives, he would lawfully claim as father and mother. So right. see how he started That's on a bad premise logic. and came up with all kinds of crazy uh, tweaking of what Jesus right. actually was teaching. Yeah, that's true. He, he never said, Jesus never said, you can go back and read it. He never said that a man would receive a hundredfold of wives no. that Orson Pratt claims. Now in his, uh, we, we already talked about it in the first sentence, it was singular with Jesus, right. but it's plural when Pratt explained it. As he often do, does the false premise or the false quote, and he takes it and then builds doctrine around it and calls it divine. He misuses God's word. Uh, but the Apostle Paul tells us that he didn't and we shouldn't tamper with God's word. Second Corinthians four two. But we have <coughs> excuse me. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We don't tamper with God's word. Right. That's what it says. We don't. It, we we don't do that. It's, it's disgraceful. Um, uh, yet Orson Pratt and of course many of the others, as we've done in our shows, tampered with God's word over and over again. He uh, Pratt drones on and on about the Mormon saints being God's people and how God's people always have a prophet and God speaks to his people through the prophet as he has always done through the ages. Again, we have another quote on those claims. Yeah, this is so interesting. Yes, there is very great danger indeed of being deceived unless you believe in a God who gives revelation now as he did in ancient times. All the nations of the earth have always been deceived when they got so far from God that he would not speak to them. They are then left to follow their own imaginations, which are sure to deceive them. If the people of Utah are the people of God, then there is no possible chance of their being deceived upon any subject of as great importance as that of the plurality of wives. For no man has a right to these blessings unless God shall give it to him through his servant, the prophet. But on the other hand, if the people of Utah have no prophet, then they are not the people of God, but are deceived like all the rest of Christendom who are without prophets. In the latter case, we would not be worthy of even one wife, much less a plurality. Hence, if the people of Utah cannot inquire of God and receive revelations from him, they are no more entitled to wives and children than apostate Christendom are. The righteousness or unrighteousness of having a plurality of wives or even one wife all hangs upon the simple question, whether the people who presume to marry are or are not the people of God. If they are not, they have no divine right to even one wife, if they are his people, he has the undoubted right to show through his prophet how many wives, if any, each may have. Oh, wow. Yes, that's a wow. 
Uh, and I consider this was so long and so involved, whether to, to include to, to this include quote it. or not. But, but it's, it's, it's important. It, it, it really is. And there's so much wrong. As I was going through this, I thought we could do a month's shows on this, on just this one quote that you just finished yeah. with. Uh, but we can't cover them all. But here's an example. First, Christendom was never in apostasy, as early Mormonism and present-day Mormonism continues to teach. Jesus promised that his church would endure through all generations. He also stated emphatically that even the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. There was no apostasy. Second, Pratt said that Christians don't have a prophet, (laughs) but they do. (laughs) Our prophet never dies. Our prophet never changes his mind. Uh, our prophet does not alter or give contradictory, progressive, twisted revelation. He does not dictate to a man how many wives he may or may not have. Our prophet's name is Jesus, and he has given us revelation that can be found in the Bible, and that's all we need. I backtrack. He does dictate how many wives we may have. <laughs> One. One. He did say that. That's true. Um, but he doesn't dictate in that respect the way right. Orson Pratt says he does. Right. Number three, we must oppose Pratt's comment that if a man is not part of the people of God, and in this case he claims that the people of God are only the Mormons or the saints, sure, sure. he has no right to take plural wives. In fact, he said that a man has no right to even one wife. Total nonsense. (laughs) Marriage is a right of all consenting adults of all nations throughout all time. We challenge anyone to show us from God's word where he has forbidden marriage for men who are not Mormons. Monogamous marriage is a legitimate option for all adults. There is no God-given right, no command, no permission for polygamous marriage. Number four, the fourth reason. God does not give continuous revelation as he did in ancient times, let Pratt claims. Hebrews chapter 1 makes it very clear that anyone who opposes what God has revealed is the one who needs to be careful. We quote from Hebrews 1. Yep, verse 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but... In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. It doesn't say he speaks to us through a a modern-day prophet, a latter-day prophet, a Mormon prophet, a polygamy (laughs) prophet. It's by Jesus Christ in these last days. He's the word of God. Jesus is the truth of God, and he is the way of God. Long ago and in ancient times, God did speak through the prophets, but not now. That verse says, not now. Now he speaks through his son, Jesus Christ. Any other idea or teaching is counterfeit. We do have a prophet, right? We do. Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament law. There's nothing more for the prophets to proclaim. And Jesus himself said this. Matthew 11, verse 13, For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, John the Baptist, of right, course. Right, yeah. right. And so until John the Baptist, that was it. This is Jesus' words. He ended the prophetic era. We are now in the era of Jesus Christ, and the only prophet we are to pay attention to. Yeah, this is from Acts chapter 3, 22 and 23. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. 
and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And that prophet is, is Jesus. Jesus Christ. We are commanded to listen to him. And those who don't or who choose to listen to a counterfeit prophet instead will find them play themselves in a place they don't want to be. That's true. And that's why we're doing this show. That's what <laughs> that's we do right. what we do. And Romans chapter 3, 21 and 22. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And that's the righteousness apart from the law. Right. That God, that's what he requires. The righteousness of God apart from polygamy is Jesus Christ. He is our prophet, our priest, and our king. He is our righteousness and our wisdom. He fulfilled the law for us. And then he gives righteousness, his perfect righteousness, to all those who have faith in him and only him as Savior. And because he is our wisdom, we don't need Orson Pratt <laughs> to tell us weird things about God. Good words to help save us must be rejected. Polygamy to help save us must be rejected. Human prophets must be rejected to help save you. It's Jesus, only Jesus, all Jesus. And adding to that is counterfeit Christianity that Pratt preached and in the end will be rejected. Orson Pratt taught many, many, many <laughs> works to become righteous that did not include Jesus Christ. So it all must be rejected. It is all self-righteousness. All of Mormonism is just a self-righteous works-oriented religion. Romans 3.21 and many other passages explain yeah. it. Oddly, Pratt tried to explain the laws of God according to the Ten Commandments. Now, yeah, this is from page 111 from this here. Every enlightened conscience, as well as the Word of God, will tell us that lying, stealing, robbing, false swearing, committing adultery, trespassing, murdering, and many other similar acts are crimes, and therefore the legislative departments should enact wise and judicious laws for their punishment. But where in the Word of God is the plurality of wives denounced? as a crime. And he uses this a lot, you know, it's just not, Since he says it it's not said, there. Yeah, it's it, not there. It wasn't the 11th commandment, thou shalt not live adult, you know, live polygamy. So, yeah. so he doesn't think that it's against uh, what God's design is. But commandment number seven, I think is pretty clear. It is fairly clear. <clears throat> thou shalt not commit adultery. Pratt encouraged single women to seek out married men. What is that? Yeah. What is that? What is adultery anyway? Well, it's having sexual relations with someone other than your legal spouse. Jesus taught that even looking, a man looking at another woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her already in his heart. So if a man not just looks but takes multiple women to bed and has children by her, it must be in the same category, if not worse. The Bible's definition of adultery is to be unfaithful to one's spouse. How is polygamy not in that category, Orson mm. Pratt? This next quote is <laughs> it's another one. It's filled with error and contradiction and is a perfect show of favoritism that the polygamy cultures promote. Yes. <laughs> Man should love all the wives which God may give him with a perfect love. 
it is impossible for him to love them too well, providing that his love is regulated and controlled in all things according to the law of righteousness. But can a man love more than one wife with all his heart? Yes, he can love each one that God gives him with all his heart, and if he have a hundred, he can love them all with the same intensity that he would love one. It is true he could not give the same attention to a hundred that he could to one. This would not arise from the want of love, but it would be from the nature of the circumstances. If God had given a man but one wife, it would be his duty to love her with all his heart, and it would not be his privilege to love any other woman as a wife. But if God confers a plurality of wives upon a man, it would be sinful for him not to love each one with a perfect love, provided that they were all equally worthy of his love. God loves the children of men according to their works and according to the good qualities which he perceives in them. Those who do the best, he loves the best. If they do equally well, he loves them equally. Man should be exercised with the same principle and should love those the best who do the best. And if any of his family err, he should still love them the same as God loves his family, though they may sometimes err and go astray. God loves his family not for their errors and sins, but because he sees that there are good qualities existing in them and, he tr and tries to save them from their sins. So man should love his wives, not because of their errors and imperfections, but because God has given them to him. And because they desire to do right, therefore he should love them and try to save them from their errors, and he should never love one more than another unless they marry it. <laughs> little so caveat. There. He's really teaching unconditionally uh, unconditional love. Yeah. I mean, it's just really a mishmash. Uh, unless they marry it. <laughs> but it's really, it's, uh, he talks about errors and imperfections, and the statement alone that, that he said is so filled with theological error and awful contradictions. And when you know the story of Orson Pratt, and, and we will tell that next time in part three, and how he treated his wives, you might well ask the question, why didn't he practice what he preached? Hmm. Uh, he talked the talk, but he was a hypocrite. First, he says in this last statement that a man should love his wives equally well according to the law of righteousness. What law hmm. of righteousness? Well, in the King James Bible, there's only one verse in the entire New Testament that refers to the law of righteousness, and it has nothing to do with marriage, we quote. Yeah, we find it in Romans 9, 31 and 32. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. So you can see that Orson Pratt teached directly contradictory yeah. to what that teaches there from the Bible. And nothing to do with marriage. Right, <laughs> right. Know? The stumbling stone, of course, that is refers to in Romans, is Jesus Christ bringing the grace of God, the gift of eternal life. They labor to keep the list of laws when all they need is complete and total faith in Jesus Christ. They are trying to do by works or the law of righteousness yeah. that which is a gift from God. So Orson Pratt fell into that same trap. He stumbled over the stumbling stone. And so has all of Mormonism and all Mormon polygamists. The second problem with Pratt's last quote is his idea of love. <laughs> he says a man can love a hundred women equally. 
Not true. A man will always have a favorite or even many favorites. But there is always that one person that is his true soulmate. Mm. And third, the perfect love that he proposed is based on merit. Yeah. Yeah. That's not perfect love. And then he parallels it with God's love. But God's love loves us. He says God loves us according to our works. That's a lie. God loves us without merit. Let's again read that particular statement by Orson Pratt. But if God confers a plurality of wives upon a man, it would be sinful for him not to love each one with a perfect love, provided that they were all equally worthy of his love. God loves the children of men according to their works and according to, or according to the good qualities which he perceives in them. Those who do the best, he loves the best. If they do equally well, he loves them equally. That is so wrong. That is so, so wrong. God does not love us because we earn his love. He loves us because he is love. First John 4.19 says we love because he first loved us. <laughs> Orson Pratt got it all wrong. Yep. When they begin with the wrong precept, everything that follows is corrupt. Fourth point <laughs> is that Pratt did not love his wives equally. Perhaps he decided some of them weren't worthy of his love. Perhaps they didn't <clears throat> excuse me, earn his love. And Orson Pratt actually ignored and neglected some of his wives. In fact, one family who lived in Tooele suffered starvation and death because of his neglect. And we're going to talk about that next time because we're out of time this time. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, I just loved his comment here, provided they were all equally worthy of his love. Yeah. So who determines that? The man, of course, of course. the husband. So when he neglects a wife, he can always ask, says, you're no, not worthy. No, you, you, no. you messed up, so I don't have to love you yeah. <laughs> or pay attention to you or whatever. I don't know. It's strange. I, it is very strange. Yeah. It, it's very bad teaching, very bad teaching, especially about God. That, that really blasphemes God's character yeah. because that is not God. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not the true God, living God. Yeah. So we'll finish our series next time and Sounds we talk good. about uh, how Pratt treated his, well, at least one of his wives. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Earl. Thank you, you very much. And as we continue to uh, discuss the foundation of Mormonism and Mormon polygamy, uh, we, we just want to dig into it and uncover that root because someone said you just can't trust Mormons with their own history. And I believe that's true. <laughs> history is important. You know, Jesus said the foundation determines the end result. The foundation of Mormonism is speculation, false information, denials of behavior, and beliefs and actions. True Christianity is Jesus Christ plus nothing. The Bible for, for doctrine plus nothing. Check it out for yourself and find out if the Bible is trustworthy. Find out if the Book of Mormon has any legitimate standing in any area of proof. Find out if Jesus Christ is worthy of your exclusive trust. Salvation is found in no one else and it's not found in any religion. It's not earned and it's not merited. Just consider the cross of Jesus Christ and you're closer to learning more about your salvation than anything in a religion or a doctrine can teach you. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. 
Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.